having a proper solid plan and one that fits in more realistically with my time is going to really help the emotional roller coaster side of things. Because I'm not going to sit down, suddenly sit at my computer, go, okay, I've got a day to work. What should I do? Where do I go first? Feeling shaky after maternity or another long leave from work? Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work roller coaster. In this coach episode, you're going to eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. Jessica also hosts shorter comeback episodes where we hear the wobbly moments and success stories from someone who's made a comeback. Coaching conversation today is with Julia, a landscape architect who was furloughed after maternity leave with her second child and then made redundant. We're talking just a few weeks into Julia setting up her own practice when she says she's riding an emotional roller coaster and struggling with the idea of business development. We talk about structuring her time, focusing on one thing at once, and finding different ways to build connections with potential clients other than networking events. I think you're going to find this useful if you're considering self-employment or if business development is part of the role you're going back to. This first season of Comeback Coach is sponsored by Raiden Solicitors, the specialist family law firm. And like my guest today, it's a firm that started with one woman, the multi-award winning Catherine Raiden. From Little Acorns, Great Oaks Grow. Raidens now has around 40 members of the legal team across four offices in St Albans, Berkhamsted, Beaconsfield and Hampstead. They have the most unusual and charming website, including a blog that they are consistent about adding to, which makes me smile given what you're about to hear from Julia. Julia, welcome. Tell me what's on your mind. Thank you. I think for me at the moment, what's really perturbing me from my normal balances. Normally I have quite an even keel and just all the things that are going on at the moment, I feel like I am on an emotional roller coaster, which isn't isn't my comfort zone at all. I left my work where I was super busy and really engaged and enjoying what I was doing, although it did have its challenges and went on maternity leave. Had quite an eventful year of maternity leave, more eventful than planned. And obviously that included the lockdown and everything that's affected so many was all kind of gearing myself up for going back to work, getting back into everything, building up my role again. And I was asked to go on furlough because of the impacts of the pandemic, except to go on furlough. And then that was followed by a redundancy process, unfortunately. And I now no longer work for my company, the team that I was building, I'm no longer engaged to build. So that's obviously been a big impact. So now looking at what my next steps are, and and I've tried not to just jump into the first thing. I do have the luxury of having a bit of space to think about what my next step is. And so I am now building up my own consultancy practice, which I'm very excited about. And that's where the emotional roller coaster is coming in. There's obviously the impacts of having that sense of rejection, of being made redundant, of being so invested in something that's building up, and now suddenly that's no longer one of my babies. And then having a new venture, which I feel excited about, I feel empowered about, energetic about. But then other times I feel suddenly a little bit adrift. It's just that roller coaster that's affecting me at the moment that I'd like to find my even keel a bit. I just like to take the edge off the real highs and the real lows so that I'm just yeah. a little bit more consistent. 
You described that so well. And I think there was a second thing that you wanted us to look at as well today. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Yes. So, you know, I'm very excited to start my own practice. But one thing I would say that I feel like is my weakness and is something where I need to tackle, and that is finding my networking style. And I think part of that is that actually where I was employed before, I did become aware that there was something quite masculine quite sort of macho about the way that networking was done. And I do know in my head that there are many different ways to do business development and to network and different people have different styles, but it just was particularly, there was kind of one way of networking and I didn't fit with that so well. And so it kind of ended up that all the more formal networking things that I was involved in were all like ladies day at the races, women in property, all very female. And then there was all this real male networking going on separately. So I'm trying to get past that and that association, find my own networking style, find my confidence in that, because I think my confidence has been a bit knocked. So yeah, I'd say that that's something, and obviously starting my own business, it's really crucial. Networking is so crucial and tapping into my network that I have, looking at it as a big network when I need to have the confidence to go and have those conversations that can generate work. I really admire you. My goodness, you have had such a year. You'd gone from being so successful in the practice, building up your fiefdom and then going away on maternity leave, being made to go on furlough, then being made redundant and you've been making decisions about where do I go next. Gosh, and you emerge and you say, yep, okay, I'm going to start my own practice, bring it on. And I just think that's fantastic. So out of those two things then, this emotional roller coaster and wanting to even things out, so to have less low lows and perhaps not as high highs, and then the finding your networking style and finding a way of doing business development that suits you and that attracts the kinds of clients that you actually want to work with. Where do we start? Which of those two things do we go to first? I suppose what would be the most helpful for me practically is the networking side of things. But I do want to touch on the emotional roller coaster and not just put it aside because I'm used to being more on an even keel. So maybe the emotional roller coaster first and then get stuck into the networking. Okay, well, let's go there then. So tell me about what is happening when you feel like you are on an even keel. Like if we were building a recipe for keeping Julia on an even keel, what are the ingredients that would go into that, do you think, in your experience? I know, say, the tasks I want to do for that day, what I want to get through, and the realistic things that throw me off are, say, if just something comes up that opens up the wounds, as it were, of having been made redundant, suddenly find out some information that kind of throws me. So those are the things that can tamper with my mood not having something untoward pop up, knowing what tasks I want to get through for the day, feeling like when I have time to focus on work, because obviously I've got family and work, that I can use that proactively and do things that I feel like are leading to good work opportunities or setting me up for when something comes through. So obviously it's quite early days. So you talked about two key things, which is about knowing the tasks that I want to do each day. So that's completely within your control to decide what it is that today you need to focus on. And you talked about having time to focus on work. So it sounds as though your good days where things do feel on an even keel, you have ring-fenced time to focus purely on the business. And then you talked about something that interferes with you feeling on an even keel and has the potential to send you off on a roller coaster is when you come across something that opens old wounds. So whether that might be an email or something you see on LinkedIn, perhaps, or a phone call. So what would it take to have more days 
where you know what you want to do each day and that you've got the time, the realistic amount of time to focus on those things? What would it take to get those things happening on a regular basis? Well, I suppose actually what you say opens up one of the other questions is, so I have days where I can just focus because the kids are in childcare and that sort of thing. And then I've got the messy days as well. And maybe that's also <laughs> what's, what's messing with the emotional rollercoaster. I have the days where, you know, I've got a one-year-old and got to dash off and get a six-year-old and, and work and household and family and all of those things all smushed together. Today, I'm having a day where I do have just a work day. So it's easy to think about just in work mode. But I suppose those days also are less clearly defined and what tasks I'll get done for work, it's less obvious because other things throw it out. I suppose that's part of what's exacerbating the emotional roller coaster. Um, mm, that's a really good spot. That's a really good spot. Tell me about how many messy days you have a week versus structured focus days. So at the moment, I've got two days where I've got childcare from beginning to end which is great and then I've got another day where my husband will take off and he'll do the childcare. so I've basically got three days two fix and then one that can respond to my needs and then two days that are the free-for-all I guess the free-for-all and so the messy days then is it realistic to expect you to do anything on the business on those days or is that really unfair to ask yourself to be doing things when you have a one-year-old that's in your life with you yeah, I suppose I am starting to realise that I need to actually be a little bit, because also I, if I'm constantly trying to do stuff, it's not fair to him as well. So I'm starting to try and get a little bit more disciplined about actually these are my work days and these are the days for my children and for the family. And I think that might actually help unlock some of this because otherwise it's all just ticking in the back of my mind and thinking about things. And similarly, when I'm working, I'm like, oh, you know, I really want to sort that out or or do that or, you know, prepare this for the kids. So maybe that's part of helping to get off the roller coaster is being a bit more disciplined about which are the days for work and which are the days for family. But you know, I know, I know as a fellow entrepreneur that even on the days where you've got the children, your mind is thinking about the business because yeah. you're excited about it and you know that you've got many things that you want to achieve. So I'm wondering mm. how realistic is it not to do something and how might you get that desire to work on the business met on those days that you don't have mm. childcare, but not in a way that things become really difficult and then you're on an emotional roller coaster and I haven't got a worked out answer here I'm genuinely curious about how you see you might combine those two things if at all on those days. Yeah, that is true because my mind is always thinking and if you know if an email comes through <laughs> I'm going to want to respond in that day. I mean, I do think that I do need to make sure that I am giving Liam, my son, some time that's really precious for him, where he really has my full attention. So I am trying to do that. Nap times are a movable feast. <laughs> but obviously, when he does have a nap, then that gives me a bit of time to do work or do something around the house or other chores. I'm not sure how really to structure it because it is unstructured. I suppose maybe it's just if I'm doing one thing to really try and do that at that time and oh, not be yeah. doing half of each. Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is mindfulness in action, isn't it? It is a focus on one thing at a time to the exclusion of everything else. And so that you can immerse yourself in that thing, get lost in it take joy in whatever it is that you are doing and then come out of that task, whether it's spending time with Liam, whether it's responding to emails, whether it's doing housework, but do it, do it well, put it to one side and then do something else. 
I think about some rules that I put in place when my children were younger. Mine are now 14 and 12. And one of those rules was never, never to try and work when there was not another adult in the home. Because I knew that as soon as I thought I could get away with going and looking at some emails or perhaps writing a blog or working on a newsletter or something like that, and then if the children kicked off, I would get really angry and annoyed, thinking, oh, you know, it was all settled and I thought I could just nip away and do this, that I just learned it was just no good to try and combine working with the children. So I'm wondering about the fact that those thoughts and ideas and demands on you from the business don't go away on the days that you're caring for the children, but whether there might be a way for you to have perhaps an hour on those evenings where you can do something in the business, just that you get those emails answered and you know that you've got a slot coming up in the evening so you don't need to be worrying about doing it whilst Liam is napping or if he's not napping that day if something goes wrong what you think maybe to that yeah no I mean otherwise it's exactly like you say then suddenly you expect there's going to be a two-hour nap and it's only half an hour and then you're like raging (laughs) with the small person because he hasn't fallen into line with your plans I mean, I guess I am lucky because with lockdown, everyone's working from home. Well, my husband and I are working from home. So I can take that opportunity, I guess, if like if something came up, I could ask him if he could take pole position. Well, I deal with that, you know, rather than only waiting for, say, the evening when he's home, which would be the normal situation. So yeah, that is a good idea. And then, it, like you say, at least I know that that's the time I can deal with it. So if something comes up and it's on my mind that I want to respond that day, I can put it in that slot. Yeah. And what kind of planning do you do for the days that you know that you have childcare? I mean, do you think in advance about what you're going to do each day or do you decide on the day? Do you block time out for specific tasks on your calendar? Tell me about how you set yourself up for each day, because you've said that knowing the tasks that you want to do each day and and having a, a realistic amount is key to you staying on an even keel. Yeah, so I've started doing that now. It's only been quite recently that my son's been able to go back into nursery and start doing his couple of days where he's been away. I've had a couple of initial days just getting the feel of it. And now I've realized that actually having some specific tasks is quite useful for me because I do feel like I need to value this time especially I need to value this time before I'm really busy with actually just doing work for clients. This is the time that I I won't get back ever again, (laughs) the early days of setting up a practice where I can sort things out. So I'm really trying to make sure I give myself a list so I don't miss stuff off, make sure I do some networking, make sure I do some admin setup. I am now tending to actually make a list of things to do and then also just keeping a record of what I've done that day. So I can kind of see who I've linked up with or what I've taken care of and what still needs to be done for another day. And you know that writing a list about what you have done, I think is a great idea because when you do a have done list, what you're doing is you are charting your progress and you are focusing on what has gone well that day, what you've made headway with, rather than focusing on things that you haven't got done and what's still to do. So I think that's a really smart thing to do. How do you know that you are focusing on the right things in the business? Like, How are you deciding what you're doing? Hopefully I know, right? I mean, luckily I've got people to speak to and to get advice from. And that's been something that's been guiding my actions. Just doing research also about starting up a small business and thinking through the stuff that I'll practically need in place, particularly the things I'll want in place when I do get a job, you know, things like being able to invoice and knowing what my fees are when I speak to people. So getting all that basic stuff together. I mean, I do wonder if there are things I'm missing that will be obvious when the time comes, but hopefully not. 
Well, that's great because having those trusted advisors around you to shortcut that learning and just say that these are the things that you absolutely need to get in place and actually leave this, this and this until later on you're more established is absolutely great. So, okay, I know you said you wanted to use the bulk of our conversation to talk about the business development. So what are we taking from this sort of start of our conversation about the even keel that you can do that will help to smooth that roller coaster? Well, I think it was good that you picked up on the being realistic about the fact that on my theoretical days not working, my head is going to be working because that's totally me. I used to work four days a week and I mean, I was on five days a week. Although I did try not to be doing work, but you can't just switch off and that's going to be even less the case when this is my own enterprise rather than working for someone else. So I think having a, a allocated space where then I'm not sort of just abandoning the kids or trying to do something on the sly to actually get things done and put that into that time period will probably be much more productive than trying to do it either side. It won't make me feel like either the business or my family are being shortchanged. Mm. I think that's a good idea. I love what you say about doing things on the sly. Isn't it wonderful that you are, you know, to be that engaged with your work that it's, yeah, I'm having to do this on the sly, do a bit of work. But okay, so shall we move on then and look at this business development? Yes. So tell me about what was involved in your business development when you were employed and what worked for you? You know, how did you develop new relationships? So I suppose the person who ran the business development for the wider company was very inspiring. And she was the sort of person who would say, you know, there's people have their own style, their own techniques and to embrace that. But unfortunately, in the office I ended up in over the last five years, I think the networking was really seen as being social events with clients, often, you know, boozy evenings out with clients. It was quite masculine. So I know often groups would be organized where say they wouldn't really invite any of the female colleagues just because they felt like maybe I don't know maybe the clients are a bit more bawdy or something <laughs> so we tended to if there were so, sort of formal things that were organized as I say they tended to be like ladies or women events that then the female side of the office was invited to so it kind of had quite a particular spin on it I mean there were some great events that I was involved in as well and enjoyed the women in property events things like that but it did just make me feel like I wasn't really connecting with clients in the same way that some of the other colleagues were and for me as well, I don't necessarily want to be best friends with all of my clients. And I don't think they want to be best friends with every single consultant they work with. I think you want to have somebody that you enjoy working with, that you get on with, that you know you can trust, that they're going to do a professional job and they're going to deliver the deadlines and that there are other ways to form that relationship with clients than sort of always going out for a drink. And people have families, people have lots of commitments. They don't necessarily want to spend that amount of time with every single different consultant or person they work with. But I felt like that was quite the emphasis in my old company. So it did make me feel like I was not performing at the same level as other colleagues. Yeah. And you know, you're so right that there is another way. There are many different ways. And at the heart of it, you said it's this about developing relationships. And you talked about being seen as trusted and being professional. And you can go about that in different ways. So tell me what thoughts you've already had about starting to develop relationships with the kind of people that you want to work with and the kind of projects that you want to work on. And, and actually me saying that, I suppose, to what extent are you clear on who you want to work with and the kind of projects you want to work on? Have you got that clarity? Yeah, over my maternity leave when I just had some time away from just the day-to-day -day rushing of getting through work and doing all the tasks that you need to do, that was quite a good time for me to reflect on where I am as a professional and what work I do enjoy doing and what work maybe 
was taking up more of my time than would be ideal. And then being made redundant again, I got to reflect on where I was, what kind of work I do like to do, where my skills really lie. And you actually mentioned it earlier about that when you find people that you connect with as clients, then you also start to do work that you connect with more. The two go together rather than trying to force a relationship with a client that you don't necessarily maybe gel with that well and it may be reciprocal, that actually I can start to steer my networking towards projects I want to work with and people that I want to work with. It's not trying to force those relationships with people that you maybe just don't connect with completely. might be one key to not feeling like I'm inadequate in the networking. Totally. And I think it's excellent that you know who you want to work with and the kind of work that you want to do, because sometimes people, they start a business and they think they have to go after anything and everything and they're not discerning. But actually by being discerning, you can go about this in a much more strategic way. You might even decide you're going to draw up a list of target clients. You said in your notes to me about creating content and showcasing your expertise and your interest in certain areas so that you start to appeal to those people and those projects that you want to work on because you are connecting with those themes and those people. So what are your initial thoughts on the activities that you might do that start to showcase your credibility and show the world what you're interested in and what you can do? So there's a few things, I guess. One is that obviously I've not been working for quite a while, having been on maternity leave and then furlough and then serving out redundancy notice is thinking about connecting with clients that I got on well with or that were projects that I felt were particularly well suited to my skill set and really brought something to those projects. So focusing on those people initially and then in terms of making content, also creating blogs and content that, again, feeds into the things that I feel are really my core skills and my core interests as well and where those align so that, as you say, then people who are looking for a landscape planner in a particular area will then be drawn to that. Or if, you know, if what their needs are is something a bit different, then maybe they wouldn't be as focused on me. I mean, they're two great steps. And I'm wondering, have you drawn up that list of clients yet that you would like to reconnect with? Yeah, I mean, I probably haven't written it down quite so specifically, but I do have a list of a few people that are my main targets. I would do that. I would write it down. And then that is a way for you to track progress and then that feeds into your task list because if you see that that's one of the foundational pieces of your business is is reconnecting with people who already know about your work and value what you do then you can seek to prioritize that and if I may just a thought on when you do reconnect with people who you've enjoyed working with in the past and there's a good relationship there also think about how you might ask those people to introduce you to other people who might be looking for your skills and services. You know, be really confident and think about you're making a helpful difference because clients often won't think to recommend you or refer you. People are busy in their own world, in their own lives, but if you were to say, I'm looking for some more work in this area. I'd love to know about this. You start to tell me about someone you know working in this area. Would you be able to make an introduction? You'll be really confident about asking for that, knowing that your intention is, I think I could make a helpful difference to that person or to that project. I wonder whether that is something that you might feel comfortable with. And if it's not, we can totally ditch the idea. 
Yeah, I suppose it would probably depend on the person I was speaking to, how confident or unconfident I felt doing that. But it is a good tip if the conversation facilitates that. It'd be really useful. Like you say, rather than relying on them, maybe remembering me when they're speaking to somebody they know who's looking for something similar, I could take up that action if I asked them for a recommendation. And you talked about creating blogs on your core interests. Again, is that something that you have mapped out and thought about when those things might be at a certain times of the year that it might be more relevant to talk about things and they might be more topical? Or you know, have you got a content plan? Have you got a newsletter in place? Or tell me about those sorts of activities that you're thinking about doing and how how far you've got with those. Yeah, I suppose probably at the moment they've more been ideas in my head. I haven't actually committed them out to paper. There's a few content ideas I've had already. One I've already put up as a blog, but it does make sense actually to start putting those out. Some of them will be responsive depending on, say, what comes out of planning policy change or new publications by people in the profession. But yeah, I could also have a think about what might be, like you say, a bit of a year plan. If I know certain things might be relevant at certain times of year, I could map out a plan beyond just being responsive. I think any good marketer would say that, yeah, there's a definite need to have a proactive plan, but also, as you say, to respond to the marketplace as there are planning changes, topical issues, things coming out of government that you might want to respond to. And I'm just thinking, I read a book years ago that might be useful to you, and she gives away lots of great resources. It's a book called Watertight Marketing, and it's by someone called Bryony Thomas. And she talks about making sure you're aware of the, you know how you think about a sales funnel with leads at the top and then moving a client down that sort of from awareness and interest through to desire and, you know, and using your services and becoming a loyal client. About some of the leaks that can be in that funnel and fixing those and making sure you are doing the right things at the right time to move those potential clients from being a potential client to being a client. So that might be something to have mm-hmm. a look at watertight marketing and just bringing a bit of structure to the way that you set about doing your business development and I'm wondering if there's anything from when you were in the bigger practice that you think ah yeah that's something I need to replicate because that worked for us then and continues to work for you know the business that you could adopt in your business. I mean, I suppose one of the things that I take through is that they had a business plan, which I'm looking to develop as well for me. And part of that is about that client pipeline and tracking that through. I suppose I probably never was quite as on top of the tips that we had for the marketing side of things. because I was just always so busy. I think mm. that kind of so easily took a back step. And I know there was good advice that we were given. I didn't quite implement <laughs> before, but I would like to now then running my own business make sure that I do keep on top of and I'm hoping the fact that the sense of ownership is so much more also Mm. I can be more in control of what clients I am sort of wooing will help me then be more comfortable be more proactive about doing those things than say before where I did have a lot of work being fed through to me where I didn't necessarily always have a choice about which clients were sort of drawing on my time the most and then BD somehow sort of took a back step especially when it felt like you were stretched already you didn't necessarily feel that you needed to go out and chase up a lot more work but hopefully now I can implement some of those tips. Just things about making sure that you just keep on with the networking and keep on with those client connections, either through calls or through like a newsletter or all the different tools regularly. Because obviously, you know, your job now is a job now, but you need to still be getting your future jobs lined up. So I'm trying to make sure that all those lessons I learned before, but didn't necessarily always implement myself that I will put in place now. 
you speak like a complete pro when you say regularly because, again, this is a point that Bryony Thomas makes in her newsletters and her book, is that people tend to be like a yo-yo dieter with marketing and you use that word regular or consistent. And I'm wondering how much of your working week or a month you might be allocating to business development. Well, that's part of the reason why I was starting to do the daily list of things to do and also what had been done. It's not necessarily time, but I need to do a certain number of actions. Sometimes, you know, you try and phone someone, but you don't necessarily get a hold of them. You leave a message and you've got to follow up. So some things might take a bit longer than, you know, necessarily just that call because it might take a few attempts to get through that sort of thing. But make sure that each week I've at least, say, had contact with three clients or something like that, that I do make sure that it keeps up and keeps regular because I know what it's like, you get busy and then it feels like something can just drop off. But I know in my head <laughs> that it is really important to keep it going because otherwise suddenly you get to the other side of a whole load of busyness and then realise actually you haven't got your next jobs lined up. I've worked with other individuals where business development has been a focus of our conversation and I think they've come to the conclusion that they need to earmark a certain portion of their week, like literally block it out in their diaries and say... This is proactive business development time. And yes, there will be other points in the week where you think, oh, I I need to call that person. But where you might be working on, say, something substantial, such as potential client mapping, mapping out blog posts, creating the newsletter if you're not yet in a position to pay someone else to do that copywriting for you. But having a decent chunk of time in the week, every week that you put in your diary and then if something else comes up that you think oh gosh you know am I going to sacrifice that time to that proactive business development time to put on to this other thing and if I am can I find a different you know do I but like moving jigsaw pieces around around a board or playing Tetris is if you've got a three-hour chunk on a Friday morning for doing BD and then another meeting comes up thinking right where am I going to put that three hours am I going to break it into two 90-minute slots and where are they going to go in my diary because as you say so important that you have that business development time in your diary Yeah, so I need to be a bit more rigorous with myself. (laughs) So I'm wondering what questions or what thoughts are outstanding in your mind because obviously you wrote and you said it's this emotional rollercoaster I'm on, it's about getting comfortable with doing business development in my way. So where do we take our conversation now? Is there anything that you still want to pick over? Well, it's great having a recommendation for a book because I do feel like marketing is something that, you know, of all my different skills for running my own business, it's the one, I guess, that's been less developed than other things and that I've done a bit less rigorously. So, yeah, I'm always open to any advice and guidance and I'll definitely check out watertight marketing. Yeah, I think I need to sit myself down and really go through what are the actions I'm going to take? What sort of time am I going to set aside and make sure I do do that and safeguard it? Because like you say, it's the kind of thing I might be tempted to push somewhere else, but not actually reassign it. And I think those different types of networking elements, like the blog, calling people, having a newsletter, give myself a bit of a menu of things to do, different actions to take will be useful. And out of all those things, which are the things that you think, oh, yeah, I feel really comfortable and excited by the idea of doing those things? I think probably the blog content, because as a professional, you need to stay current, but also you want to be developing your best practice and staying up to date on, you know, latest case studies and planning changes and 
regulations change, guidance change. So the blog, it's got two benefits. One is obviously having content that you can share with people, but it also is a way to pursue my own interests and keep myself up to date and current and inspired and interested. So I think that's quite an exciting one for me, giving myself the sort of luxury to do that. Mm. And when you think about blog content, then is this, what might the cadence be? How often might you put a blog out and then how might you socialise it? I probably find it takes a little bit longer to actually to do than is ideal. I know I'm a bit of a perfectionist, actually. I think what I need to do is give myself an amount of time, get it out there, create it. It doesn't need to be totally perfect. You know, I don't need to solve every question around, you know, topics, which is kind of where I want to go with things. Sometimes just pose questions or put things out there. I think it's letting myself be a little bit looser with how I approach blogs. I spent a bit too long on them. So then they're not coming out quite as regularly. So I had like a whole load of things in my head. I'll go and do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that. And then only two materialized in quite a while. So I think I do need to be a little bit looser about how perfectionistic I am so that they can not take quite as much time because obviously my time is going to become more and more precious. And then they can come out a bit more regularly because I think probably there's a little bit too long a lag between getting blogs out or, or some kind of content out. And then at the moment, I mean, I've been sharing them on LinkedIn and putting them on my website. And then one of the things I've been doing is looking into different organizations that I can plug into and then see where there could be links to those as well. I mean, I know I've done blogs before where then somebody's been quite interested because they've been about something topical and then they've wanted to put it onto their site. So they are seeing about where there might be a synergy with other organizations that could give me a bit more exposure Mm. beyond LinkedIn and my website. Julia, you've got a plan. It's just making the time. He's making the time to do it. I know, the time is. (laughs) There are so many things and you're incredibly energised about what's ahead of you. And I think you've indicated this yourself, that it is about ring fencing time to do the things that you know you need to do consistently. So if it's going to be a blog post, people know there's going to be one coming, for example, every month, and you know the kind of people you're going to tag on LinkedIn, and then you repurpose the content for a newsletter, you share it with organisations that you think might want to make use of it so that you can get maximum return for the time that you invest. But it really is, as you say, about ring fencing the time to do that, to make sure it gets done. And and I feel very excited for you because you are a professional who absolutely knows what she's doing. You've got people I imagine that will be really delighted to work with you again. And it's just keeping that time put to one side to do your business development. So I wish you really well with the plan that you've started to create. So go on then, recap, what are the actions that you're going to take? Perhaps if I was a fly on the wall buzzing around your home office, what might be some of the key things I would see you doing over the next month that are going to move the business forward? I think I'm going to have a proper sit down and really plan myself at the moment. It's just lots of ideas buzzing and speaking to you now. Things are starting to fall into place and the emphasis are starting to fall into place. So I think I'm going to sit down and start to structure my marketing plan and my networking plan. I kind of didn't really merge the two concepts, think about networking and marketing and business development, but they're all one basket and then get repurposed, like you say, in different ways and they work together and they complement each other. So I think I'm going to sit down and come up with the plans or things like a blog post. It needs to be regular, otherwise you're losing something of it already and the repurposing of it and set myself out some core actions And then some time that those two need to match each other. (laughs) Writing the content needs to fit the time that I have so I can get them regular. And that's going to be quite important. And then having a proper solid plan, I think, and one that fits in more realistically with my time 
is going to really help the emotional roller coaster side of things because I'm not going to sit down, suddenly sit at my computer, and go, okay, I've got a day to work. Like, what should I do? <laughs> Where do I go first? Because um, sometimes I do, I sit down and I go, I had a hundred things going around my head to do. Mm. And I've sat down and I don't know what I was planning to do first. I think just having that and maybe just have a way of jotting things down when they're floating around in my head. So I can capture them, organize them, fit them in, see what I need to park and what's important for now. Gosh, you've nailed it. You've nailed it. I look forward to seeing what happens as a result of this. Julia, it's been a pleasure to spend some time with you this afternoon, helping you think about those things that are so important to you at this stage of your new business. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really helpful. In her notes to me ahead of our conversation, Julia wrote, This time has shaken me, but I genuinely feel that this is one of those times that feels so disastrous at first and ends up being one of life's watershed moments that unlocks something totally amazing. I think Julia has everything within her reach to make her practice a success. But I know because I've worked for myself for 16 years that we must be realistic about what we can achieve in the time we have. And also that we need to define success by our own standards, not anybody else's. And I once heard success defined as doing what you want, how you want to do it. And I think if Julia clings to that, she's going to feel very successful very soon. I hope you've enjoyed this first season of Comeback Coach and will continue to tell your friends and colleagues about it. I was totally stoked in May to have the podcast featured in the Waitrose Weekend newspaper, which really gave the listenership a boost. But right now I'm pausing and we'll be back in a month or so with some terrific conversations, including one with Ria Ingleby from Headspace about making a mindful return. Between now and then, I've got something else for you though. If you feel you've fallen behind your peers or you're not having the impact you want at work, or perhaps you don't know what your next career steps are, then our new career fuel guide is exactly what you need. And you can get your free copy by coming over to comebackcommunity.co.uk forward slash career fuel. That's comebackcommunity.co.uk forward slash career fuel. And that's in the show notes. As ever, if the conversation today has moved you in any way and you'd like to tell me about it or ask a question, the easiest way is on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at ComebackComUK and that's in the show notes too. And if you've enjoyed any of the episodes in this first season, please do take a moment to write a short review and rate it because it helps people find the podcast and it makes me feel good. So thank you so much and I'll be back with you before you know it.